I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Thursday, November 21, 2019. We are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We have stuff. The market is telling us stuff. We're going to go over everything the market is at least telling me. I'm going to try and convey that to you. And that makes the us, the market is telling us stuff. We can't see it all from the daily chart. We're going to have to drill down and look at some additional time frames as we always do. But we're going to look at stuff. On my list today is also to look at the pot stocks. We're going to take a look at Bitcoin. That's an interesting one. Then we're going to have a quick discussion on whether or not the actual highs can be in. In other words, and I don't know how many of you are thinking like this, but the high that was made in the S&P, if in fact we fall further, can that be a longer lasting high? The answer is, we'll get to it later. And then I've got a potpourri of other items on my list of things to discuss because they're important. Big picture stuff. The market was high on the chart. We were extended away from home base. The market's coming down a little bit. Is there anything technically wrong with the market from a longer term perspective? The answer is no, not at the moment. Everything starts somewhere, and I'm not saying anything is or isn't. I'm just saying there's nothing technically wrong with the market today. Yesterday, they filled the gap. We talked about a retest, maybe a lower low. Maybe they come up short, and here it was today. They did the same thing they did yesterday, just made a low at a different price. It was what? A higher low. Is that bullish or bearish? Under normal garden variety market conditions, That's bullish. We'll talk further. We're going to look at a variety of different charts, so I don't want to jump to any conclusions just yet. Let's take it one step at a time. If it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's likely a duck. Yesterday, we also discussed the fact that the market really came into part of the breakout area. They filled the gap, but the breakout area can be considered other prices, right? We don't really know exactly where the breakout area is. It's somewhat subjective. Is the breakout area the low over here that coincides with the 20 period moving average? That's possible. It could be any price. It's whatever I say the breakout area is. Most people would just say, oh, that's the breakout area. But we don't do that. I've got to have evidence. We have to have something tangible. There's no clear and present breakout area on the daily chart. I might be able to identify one on another chart, but right here, we're using the 20 period moving average as a guide and all this chart vibration, as it's called, as an area where the market is coming back to double check or check in at. For now, that's the story. That's the story on the daily chart. Before we leave the daily chart, let me circle back to something that I said that probably sparked some interest from several of you. Can the high that was put in a couple of days ago be the high? First thing is, it's way too early to tell. We have nothing that resembles any kind of sell signal yet. Can the market make a new high? Absolutely. We talked about 315.04. That's still on the table until it's not. Until the point, and here's where the weekly close comes into view. 
until the point in which we get a bona fide weekly reversal, meaning we need to get a weekly close below a certain number. I'm not giving you the number. I have the number. When the week closes a Friday close below that number, that'll be a different story altogether. That's the one where I'll say, hop on board. Right now, the market's bullish, and it's just pulling back a little bit. The SPY was down 36 cents. That doesn't mean anything. What about the 240-minute chart? Do we see anything different, relevant, interesting, useful on the 240-minute chart? Not really. We have one of those breakdown candles outside of a breakup candle. So what are we going to do with that? We're not going to do much with that. Above all the moving averages, specifically holding right now the 20-period moving average for the third day in a row. Dipped below it a few days ago, closed below it, and now have closed back above it three days in a row. At least from a bird's eye perspective, it's a duck. That's not bearish. It's not necessarily bullish in this case. It's just not bearish. Now, on this chart, I will say that this area right around that 309.5 area... That is a breakout area. It's clearly defined, or at least more clearly defined, on this chart than we were able to see on the daily chart. But keep this in mind. You can make a case for other prices that are also breakout areas. There are more than one, more than two, more than three. So just because we've identified the nearest or closest breakout area doesn't mean that's where the market stops going down. Hence... Let's take a look at the 120-minute chart. What do we have here? We have a different look is what we have. We know about this one from the discussion yesterday, but nothing's changed. This is essentially a bear flag pattern, a bear wedge pattern, a bear flaggish or wedgish pattern. Call it whatever you want to call it. Just don't call it bullish until it is. Where is it bullish? Above the high of the breakdown candle. We know that. So here we're sandwiched in between the 20 period moving average, the 50 period moving average. That's not too meaningful in and of itself. We've been there for a while. It won't stay there. They're going to break one way or the other, up or down. Which way will it be? Well, we have our bogeys. We know it's a bearish pattern. So it's odds on they're going to go to the south side. However, if in fact we find the market trading to the north side, we know the line in the sand. That's what makes this different than most other strategies. And I don't even know if you can call it a strategy as much as it is a set of criteria. No matter what time frame or what chart I'm looking at, I'm using a set of criteria. And if the criteria don't exist, I just move on to something else. Here's a short hop real quick, but it's a good one. Sometimes I get questions like this. And I'm not singling out any one individual. I get them all the time from a variety of people. I get questions like, I'm looking to trade X. Where would be a good price? Where do I need to get in? That's not how it works. I'm not looking to trade anything. I'm interested to trade something that happens to be coming to a price that intrigues me. A price that makes sense to me. A price that says, I know the 80-20 rule applies. I'm pretty much going to win this trade because it's basically slapping me in the face. Those are the trades that you take. Now, we take them with the full and complete understanding. We're not going to win every trade, but we're going to win most of them if they fit the criteria. Back in our lane, 
What is this chart saying? This chart is saying the odds on southern direction. Period. Full stop. Gap above the breakdown candle high or trade above the breakdown candle high and something different is going on. The different will be covered inside the numbers. Speaking of which, here is Inside the Numbers from today. I got a lot of positive feedback last night after I showed this like I did. Just scrolled through it real quick, let you read it. People want to see what's in here. I get that. That's fine. I'm going to show it to you again. So there's the pre-market notes, and then we scale up, and we go from 9.15 on up. You can pause the video, start and stop it, read it anytime you like. Here's 10.10. We continue up down to... uh, The mid-morning session, a little bit of inside my head you see at the bottom of the screen. And then we'll just keep it going here. Scroll it up again so you can read it at your leisure. The market wasn't a tremendous mover today, but you still need to know the numbers. You need to know where the bull side takes hold. You need to know where the bears have control. You need to know the game. You need to understand the tape. You need to understand how to read the tape. In order to understand how to read the tape, you have to be able to read the charts. The charts is the tape. Stocks on the move. We had three that hit their price objectives. We had E-Trade, AMAT, and CLAC. You'll see one in AMAT says jump target. It jumped the first target, which is 57.12, but it didn't jump the second one. We'll take a look at that in a moment. Important numbers for the day. This includes the ES, the SPY in crude oil, You can see for yourself whether any of these numbers make sense, and then you can decide whether or not they would be useful to you throughout the trading day. We'll take a detour from the SPY, we'll look at a couple of stocks on the move, and then we'll circle back. If you remember from inside the numbers, the first entry target for AMAT was 57.12. Now that looks like it could have got ugly for somebody looking for a quick trade, but that's not what happened. Here's a five-minute chart. Stock closed yesterday, 59.64. Getting a little bit of a minor haircut at the open, but enough of a haircut where I was able to identify a specific price where I'm willing to participate in AMAT. Here, I identified two prices. Now, if it hit the first price, I would have been willing to take a position and add at the second price. We talked about that last night. We talk about that all the time. When the prices are close together, I'm putting them there for a reason. I'm really not 100% sure which one will be the one. But here, what you'll notice is the stock opened the day at 56.69, which is below the first entry price. What do we do? We immediately look to the second entry price, 55.72. The low of the day was 55.65. Then you had the rocket ride just minutes later at 10.15 a.m. The stock makes a high of 58.45 off an entry of 55.72, pretty much low of day at the time. Once again, traders choose to take profit how and when and how much they want. They have to take profit. That's part of the deal. Nobody ever went broke taking a profit. You learn that in Trading School 101. E-Trade was in play today, mainly because of the merger talks between Schwab and uh, what was the other one? TD Ameritrade. This one was a dud, 42.06, came in, went a little bit lower, back up, never really went anywhere. You can see what it did. It, for the most part, centered in and around 42 bucks. So be it. This is the kind of trade that we call a scratch. 
The third one that was on the board was Clack. So this is interesting. It came back down after the fact, but you can tell that somewhere in and around this neighborhood, around 162.90, was important. Made a low of 162.03, and just minutes later, we're already at a high of 166.20. That's a pretty big bounce in just a few minutes. So therefore, traders are booking profit, aren't they? Why does this work again? Because these stocks are headed for a destination. If I have the destination right, if you have the destination right, what should happen at the destination is at minimum, they should stop going down. Or if it's on the other side and it's a short trade, they should stop going up. More often than not, when they get to the destination, they do what? They turn around and go back the other way. Sometimes they do it real quick. Sometimes it takes a while, sometimes they do it real big, and sometimes they just go back and forth for a while and then take off. You never know exactly what the market's going to hand you, but that's just part of the business. But if you treat it as a business, this is a recipe for success. How many times do you have to see this work each and every morning over and over and over again before you realize three guys are telling me I'm drunk? Let me go take a seat. Come take a seat inside the numbers. Throwing the ball around the horn again, we're back on the SPY. What is the hourly chart telling us? It's really telling us the same thing, the 120-minute chart. You have really one of those double breakdown candle scenarios, below the moving averages type of situation, making a bearish wedge-ish, bearish flaggish pattern. So with all that being said, has anything changed? This is telling us that more southern direction price action is coming. And it's telling us that under normal garden variety market conditions. This is nothing more than a duck. What about the IWM? What's going on over here? I'm just going to jump right to the chase. Below yesterday's low was bad. It was a retest of another pivot. Today they tested it again. Let's just say they're going to break the low. And if they don't, it's bullish and they're going the other way. We know that. But let's just say they break the low. Where are they going? Where is that spot? where you want to pick up the IWM if you're willing to take on risk. We're in the risk business. I'm generally willing to take on some risk with the right setup. Where's the setup in the IWM? What the hell am I looking at? Here's the deal. Let's just say in the hypothetical scenario, they're going lower. There's two spots. Spot number one, right around 156. And if that doesn't work for some reason, spot number two is right down here into the top end of these moving averages. You have another pivot. You have these moving averages sloping up under price, somewhat of a safety net. There are your spots, 156, and that should, but if it does not work, 154.5 is the secondary spot. That is what jumps off the chart at me. We're going to keep the ball moving around the horn. Let's take a look down at the transportation department. What do we see? We didn't get any information today. They slipped a little lower. They leaked a little lower, but there was no real movement today. It was actually a pretty narrow-ranging day. And that's okay since we had a pretty large-ranging day the prior day. So we're still eyeballing the moving average down here, the breakup candle low. That is really a juicy area. It's pretty much the same thing we just discussed in the IWM. If the market is still weak and you do find the transports weak, Coming downward in the southern direction, that's an area of interest. Call it 10,550 plus or minus a smidgen. 
Anything new over at the XLF? No. It's down three cents. What are we supposed to say about that? Nothing. What we're supposed to do is reference the day before, the day before that, and so on, and just move it along. What about the SMH? Well, this is a different story. The SMH is the proxy for the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, and guess what? The semis are a pretty darn good proxy for the tech space, and guess what? This is telling us southern or more lower prices are on the way. This is heading for the gap. They haven't filled the gap yet. Are they going to come up short of the gap and take off again to the upside? That's bullish. We know about that. We know about that routine, but we don't have signs of a bottom just yet. Do they stop at the gap or do they go lower? Do they come lower into a real or better slash bona fide breakout area? I think that's the ticket. Where is that? 128 is for starters. But the real price, and this one's a little far away, so the market has to have a hard sell in order to get here, but the real price is around 124, 125, 124, 125 in that neighborhood. If it was sooner than later, that's the ticket. Won't feel good at the time, will feel wrong at the time, but will be right eight out of 10 times or more. Why am I talking about numbers so far away? Remember what we discussed last week. When the market's real quiet and the volume dries up to the point where any kind of spark in either direction can send the market scaling many, many points very, very quickly. We still have to keep that in the back of our mind. We're going to do a couple of the pot stocks real quick. We'll also do Bitcoin. But first, I want to have a little bit of a conspiracy theory conversation. These are fun. We like these. We'll put the SPY back up on the screen while we have this discussion for absolutely no reason whatsoever. We've discussed before Deutsche Bank. Now, I don't know what the inside of Deutsche Bank looks like. I have no idea. What we do know is what the chart looks like. That's the long view. This is the monthly chart. This is basically melting away. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to recover. It's going to zero. But the question is, why Is this going to be at some point in the future? Maybe it's six months from now. Maybe it's two years from now. We don't know. This thing could also be 10 bucks next month. You don't know. But what I do know is at some point in the future, this is going to zero. But what we do need to know in order for the volatility, the markets, the whole thing is what's the reason behind it? What is going on and how is it going to impact if it's going to impact the global financial system, similar to Lehman Brothers before. For those of you that were around, and many of you were, you remember the impact, at least the perceived impact, on Lehman or what Lehman had on the rest of the financial system. Well, Deutsche Bank is a lot larger than Lehman. The question is, what's really going on out there, and is this linked to Repo Man? I have a sneaking suspicion it is. Now, again, this is a conspiracy theory. I have no information whatsoever. This is just stuff. This is just conspiracy theory 5.0. What we do know, and when I say we, we as a financial community, it's not a secret that Deutsche Bank is the largest player slash offender of derivatives in the world. Now, what's a derivative? A derivative is a generic term for a lot of different things. Credit default swaps are a derivative. An option contract is a derivative. An exchange-traded fund is a derivative. An exchange-traded note is a derivative. 
What's the difference between an exchange-traded fund and an exchange-traded note? Good question. Glad you asked. In theory, an exchange-traded fund has securities in the fund. It's like an open-ended mutual fund, only it's not. You can trade it throughout the day. A traditional mutual fund, the kind that we find in our 401ks and stuff like that, the ones that price at the end of the day, those are called open-ended mutual funds. Those are different from exchange-traded funds. Exchange-traded funds trade like stocks. You can buy and sell them all day long. We all know all that, but what's the difference between an exchange-traded fund, which supposedly has securities in it, and an exchange-traded note? Big difference, you need to know. When you're buying those things, whether they're single, double, the three times, you know, the leveraged exchange-traded products, those are not exchange-traded funds. Those are exchange-traded notes. They're also derivatives, and in many cases, they're derivative of a derivative of a derivative. And the main difference between an exchange-traded fund and an exchange-traded note is that the note is backed by the viability of the issuer, period, full stop. In theory, a fund, those funds are yours, and in the event, for example that a brokerage firm were to go under, the separate account that your funds are supposed to be held in are still maintained and are your funds. But if you're holding money in an exchange-traded note and the company that backs the note goes belly up, and by the way, just put this conversation in perspective. We're not saying any of this stuff is happening. This is a conspiracy theory. At least it's not happening tomorrow, I don't think. But the company that issued the exchange-traded note if that company goes belly up, your money goes belly up. It disappears. Goodbye. Gone. Forget it. Meaning the exchange-traded notes are backed by nothing. Now, let's get back in our lane. Let's figure out why is he talking about all this stuff? How does it tie together? Where the heck is the conspiracy theory? All right. Back to Deutsche Bank. Back to derivatives. Back to the vast and huge volume of exchange-traded products around the globe. There are a dime a dozen. Every single niche has an exchange-traded fund, product, note, derivative, whatever it is. Here's one. MJ, marijuana stocks, harvest ETF. Is this a note or a fund? This one says it's a fund. Therefore, in theory, they should have the pot stocks inside this fund. How about the VIX? Is this a fund or a note? This is a note. What's in here? Nothing. They use derivatives, option contracts, futures on option contracts, options on futures contracts. However they do it, they use derivatives to mirror image the index they're trying to follow or mirror. So by now you get the concept. A lot of or all of the exchange traded stuff has some form of derivative in it. Deutsche Bank has an enormous derivative book. We've heard rumors, when I say we, the financial community. There's been articles, videos, all kinds of stuff on this Deutsche Bank situation. You can find and research it on your own in about two seconds flat. So some believe that it could be 40, 50 trillion dollars of nominal value or notional value, some kind of value, whatever kind of value they put on it, it's a fancy word. I don't know whether that's real money, fake money, supposed money, but nobody's covering 50 trillion dollars of anything. So I think that's the underlying issue with Deutsche Bank. And I think the exchange traded note 
world, if you will, is part of the culprit. That's my theory. That's my conspiracy theory. Think about it like this. Let's say you're a bookie and the Super Bowl's going on. You have Team A and Team B. Everybody wants to bet on Team A. Team A is the Patriots. Tom Brady's not going to lose. Well, the bookie can't handle if he has to pay out everybody on one side of the bet. So what does he do? He lays off the bet somebody else just in case. So what does he really make? A bookie is in the business of making the VIG. That's it. The bookie, a real bookie in a real business, takes no risk. He doesn't care which way the game goes. He makes the VIG. He knows what his margin is every single day. They're also called market makers. That was a little joke. But here's the main point. I think all these bets have been laid off in some way, shape, or form with Deutsche Bank. I think they were the go-to derivative king of the hill. I don't think anybody has a clue what's on their books or what they're liable for. And I also don't believe anybody has a clue how the entire global system is or is not linked to this potential issue, conspiracy theory, call it whatever you want. But I somehow think that the whole exchange-traded world is tied to the Deutsche Bank derivative world. That's what I believe. I don't know if I'm right. It's a conspiracy theory. Thought I would throw it out there. Maybe open it up for discussion. Why not? All right, this video is getting way overcooked. We're going to have to do the other stuff in the next video, the pot stocks and Bitcoin. I'm sorry if you waited around for that. It's my apologies, but I do have to give it a wrap. And as always, before I do, I need to thank you. You are really appreciated. Without you, these videos would not be possible at all. So I do really appreciate each and every one of you. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.